Are you a mum looking for some parenting inspiration, tips and advice, stories on the ups and downs we face in our lives as parents, some humour and a little bit of fun? Then you may have just found what you're looking for. Hi and welcome to the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I'm your host Louise Clark, a certified parent coach known to many as your parenting partner. As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 599, how to balance your child's screen time and real time. Hi and welcome. Today I am super excited to share with you that I have a special guest with me, Dr. Randy Kuhlman, the author of many books, his latest being The Gaming Overload Workbook. Dr. Kuhlman is the founder and president of Learning Works for Kids and has been working directly with kids and families for the past 30 years. He's become a leading expert on the use of digital technologies for improving thinking skills in children. And we're all very lucky to have him on the show today. Welcome, Randy. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Louise. I really appreciate you inviting me to come. Yeah, and I, I heard of your book and I bought your book and I read it in one sitting. I devoured it and I was all over it. And I will put the link to the book on Amazon.com in the show notes for all of you who are listening, because I know that you're all going to be eager to hear what Dr. Kuhlman has to say about how we can help our kids balance real time and screen time or green time and screen time, however you wish to, to put it. So what I would really like to talk about, Randy, or, or you, you can maybe share with the, the listeners quickly before we talk about what I want to talk about, um, what, what got you interested and intrigued in the whole digital aspect and what's going on in this generation's lives regarding technology? That's a, that's a great place to start, Louise. It actually, for me, began before any real technology was out there. Probably when, when it began for me, when the Pac-Man machines that you could go to a, like a bar or a restaurant and play in the late 70s were out there and available. Uh, I was an undergraduate at the University of Rochester and my, uh, one of my mentors was uh, a developmental psychologist by the name of David Elkind and his expertise is children's play. And if anybody wants to learn more about children's play, he's really the foremost expert in the world on children's play written dozens of books. Uh, one of the most recent ones called The Power of Play. He's still writing. He's aged, He's about 90 years old now. He's still writing articles. He actually asked me, interestingly enough, to edit an article. And he said, I don't usually ask my former students to do this. He says, but none of my colleagues are around anymore, which was, oh. <laughs> but I was like, I was honored that he was even think to ask him. But he's, and I got interested in play. I took a number of courses from him and I was always very interested in children's play. I mean, part of it is I love to play. I, I play all kinds of sports. Well, not as many as I used to. Uh, and I was always very interested in that. And when I went and did a, my master's thesis, I did a master's thesis looking at creative play based upon whether kids played or, or watched uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood versus Sesame Street. So I 
that, that, that concept of children's play has always been a real important part of my clinical work with kids. And I've also known via what I learned with Dr. Elkind is that children's play leads to learning. So fast forward a little bit to becoming a professional. And I'm talking about right now the late 80s. And that was the time of video games becoming more prominent, but some of the console games, the Nintendo, uh, the Sega Genesis was coming out around then. And it was also the time when there was still uh, VCRs out there. Uh, we wouldn't have cell phones yet. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. But what I was finding in my work, my work with clinical population of kids, kids with ADHD, autism spectrum disorders, learning disabilities, and what I would later begin to identify as executive functioning difficulties, is that these kids were almost universally interested in technology in a way that they were not interested in other topics. They could focus on these things. They could be incredibly attentive. They could be persistent. They wouldn't get frustrated. They would use this technology in, in ways that they, weren't, to, that they weren't doing in other areas. And they were learning from. They mastered some of this stuff. I mean, they were, the, they were the tech consultants in their families. So at that point, I began asking myself, how do we use this to help these kids? They obviously are tuned into this in a way that they're not tuned into the rest of their life. How can we use this? And, you know, I asked kids about this. We actually thought about making our own video games at one point, but I began kind of questioning what's going on in these games and technology. Why is this so engaging to the kids? So that's kind of how I got there. I don't, I don't know if I want to give the whole story away just yet, but that's sort of how I sort of progressed to becoming interested in kids and technology. Now, there's, there's a lot of offshoots from that, but I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you steer me in the right direction. Interesting, yeah, and I and I, I I'm intrigued. I could talk about the ADHD and the focus and the hyperfocus, and that you know I don't believe it's a deficit of attention. I believe it's a dysregulation of attention. But you know these kids can hyperfocus and give them something that they are that it, that hooks them in, and there's no stopping them. But anyway, we're not going to talk about ADHD on this. I've done that many times and with other um, ADHD specialists. What I would like to ask from you, having put together this gaming overload workbook that, for those of you listening, gives you a, some great tools as how to help your kids balance the different forms of play in their lives. You know, there's, there's all different ways in which we can play, and each one is important. But I know that a lot of parents that I speak to and I work with struggle because they understand that their kids need to play some sport play play you know some video games perhaps or engage in some social media activities but be in that be part of the family go for have dinners together walk the dog get outside interact with their their friends and not necessarily be on snapchat doing it so i think parents recognize that balance is key the question I get asked is, how do we convince our kids to put their phones down? How do we convince them or get buy-in from them when the, the thing that they are attached to is so addictive in nature and it's so difficult for them to say no to? You know, the virtual world is so luring and we know that the companies that, 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 design these apps and platforms, design them with 
luring an addiction in mind because they want to make money out of it. They want the kids to be on it more and more and more. So they design it so the kids can't get off it. So how do you help parents get buy-in from their kids? Because we can tell them, we can show them, they don't want to hear it. So that's really what I would love to see if you have any, could shed any insight into that. So I, I was going to answer this in, in, a, in a broad fashion, and I will get to my construct that I really rely upon in looking at this, which I call a healthy play diet. But let me address what you just said, because I think that that's one of the key things, at least in speaking to teens. So teens by their nature, and I can say it was true for myself, and uh, I bet you it was true for you, and it's true for most teenagers. We're starting to think for ourselves. We don't always agree with adults. We, we're starting, I mean, part of formal operations is to be able to ask what if questions, think about things differently, to, 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 to not always listen to parents, to, to not always think everything that society says is good and great and, and those kinds of things. Well, I think one of the things one of the ways that we can get teenage, teenagers to stop thinking about this kind of stuff is to do exactly what you just described, describing them and engaging them in discussions around these large technology companies. And I'm not trying to make them into some evil sorts of uh, monoliths that are out there trying to control our minds, but having these discussions with kids, they're not, teenagers are naturally cynical of adults. So talking about how Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, and Apple, five of the largest, if not the largest tech companies in the world for sure, all have the same goal in mind when it comes to technology. Exactly. Our attention. Our attention. Our attention. Our total attention to, to always be there. I mean, did you know that about 75% of teenagers are always within arm's length of their phone? They don't have to get up to reach it. 75%. How crazy is that? At least I put my phone away at night. I do too, but I was actually just going to say, I think if we were to look at adults as well, uh, hello, I'm picking up my phone just for, for the records. You can't see us, but my phone's right there and Dr. Coleman's phone's right there as well. And so I think, you know, as adults, what are we role modeling? Because uh, for us, 75% of teenagers might be an arm's length from their phone but I'm going to guess 75% of adults are probably there as well. So I think it's a, it's a, I, I'm going to guess, but I don't think I'd be too wrong, but I don't have my phone by my bed at night either. I, I have to have that away. But anyway, yes, as you were saying. So, so I think that's a powerful discussion to have with kids. Uh, the most recent data that I've seen is that 54% of teenagers are saying, I know I spend too much time on my phone. They recognize it. Uh, I think that came from uh, the Pew Internet Society, uh, Pew Internet Research. Okay, they did some they did some studies to look at that. So the kids have some recognition of that. And I think that if we have a discussion with teenagers, if we look at teenagers, not so much that we're going to tell them what to do, because gosh, you're going to have a heck of a time telling teenagers what to do about what they do on their phone, because they can access their phone so readily and they can do anything they want on their phones. I think if you if you have a kind of essentially an adult conversation with them to say, let's take a look at what's going on with these companies. What are they trying to do? What do you see happening? I think that's a really great intro to now putting this on the table in such a way where it's not blaming them. You terrible kid, you know, get off your phone, but more like, you know, it's really hard to get off your phone. And the people who design these things, the richest corporations in the world 
are very smart. There are people who are doing this. I'm sorry, Louise, I just met you. You look like you're a brilliant woman, okay? But you're not as smart as those people running Google and, and, and Facebook. I mean, I'm, I'm about, I'm about a, a third, no, a tenth as smart as those people. They I, know I how to, to do this to us. And they are brilliant. And they keep, and what they, what they also have is they have data to say, well, that got us you to pay this much attention. Let's try something else to see if we can get you to pay just a slight bit more attention. So they have all this data to determine that. And kids, teenagers in particular, cynical teenagers, which is, I don't even know if I need to say cynical and teenager, you know, I don't even <laughs> define it like that. It's just like, it's just say teenagers. I think they hear that. So it's a, it's a beginning of a discussion point. It's not, this is not the answer, but yeah. I think it's one of those discussion points that allows us to kind of get teens to start to think for themselves about what is it that they want. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really valid point. And I've said it uh, in previous episodes. I've said it in, I think I, I mentioned it in my book as well. You know, teenagers don't like to be controlled by their parents. I'm going to say parents don't like to be controlled by other people. You know, as a human being, we don't like to be controlled by other people. So use that to your advantage. You know, your kid doesn't want to be controlled by you, but if you can help them understand that they are being absolutely 100% controlled by the platforms that they're engaging in, then maybe they might go, hmm, I don't want to be controlled by those, by the app or these people. They are being controlled. So I think it's a really good point you make. And I think it's one that can help us to get buy-in from, from them. Yeah, let me let me comment on this. It's, it's a good place where I can disagree with you. I don't think it's a hundred percent control, uh, and and I, I'm not sure that you necessarily mean it. As, as I, as I said it, I actually yeah. thought no, it's not a hundred percent. But I, I agree with you because because teens, if you say that, they're, they're, you're exaggerating. Come on, that's that's not the case, okay? But to get you know to get them to buy in to say you know what this is part of what's going on with this, mm -hmm. and you need to do that. Now I want to go back if I can to something you were saying before that really this leads to the, the next step of what you need to do. Well, so Common Sense Media uh, is a really cool company. They do a lot of evaluations of games and technology and, and, and learning tools that are, you know, that are media-based, film, videos, films. Uh, I mean, if you want to find a, a great them. movie. Yeah, you want to find a great movie for a six-year-old, go to Common Sense Media, they'll, they'll tell you. So they've done, a, they've done a series of studies that they do some really outstanding research. And their research suggests that adults are spending about nine hours a day on their screens. Guess how much, how many hours teens are spending on their screens? About well, nine hours a day. Now, there's a little bit of difference in terms of screens and media and what they're doing. Adults tend to listen to the radio a little bit more. They have a couple of different things, but they're both spending tons and tons of time on the screens. So if you're going to have a discussion with your kids about your media, about their media use, the first thing you need to do is take a look at your own media use. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I suggest in my book is that I ask kids to sort of evaluate their own media use. I, I give them some strategies around doing this, although, the, you know, and it's you know, in, in the book, they're checklists, although quite frankly, the best way to do this is to do this on your phone. <laughs> so <laughs> counterintuitive, but it is the best way to do it. I mean, the, the, you know, there are so many wonderful things about these technologies. If we, if we, if we say to kids, oh, these are horrible things, they, they know better. 
But so the first thing I, I say to the kids is, why don't you, you know, check out how much time you're using technology. Keep track of it. Let's here, here's some ways to keep track of like how much time you do, you know, spend on social media, uh, playing video games, uh, watching YouTube videos, whatever, all those kinds of things. And then I ask them to get their parents to do the same thing. And I, I think I, I think in the book the way I did it is, is at first I get them to sort of spy on their parents a little bit and see what they're doing. And then I try to get the parents to do it themselves. And I think that's a good way also for having a discussion, for parents to be able to kind of do this. So if parents want to have, you know, it's, it's, if, they, if they want to have any power in this in terms of, you know, in terms of at least having a conversation with their kids, they can't, they can't be hypocrites. They, they can't be saying, go do this when I'm not doing this. It's, it's do as I do, not do as I say. And the, and kids, especially teenagers, they know that kind of stuff. I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to my kids in terms of doing as I do, and I do a lot of things that I'm not so proud of, is that mm -hmm. I exercise almost every day. And all three of my sons exercise virtually every day, unless they're traveling or doing something like that. And I never said to them, you should exercise every day. I just did it. Because mm -hmm. I know it's healthy. I know it's important. Uh, by the way, it's a part of other things to do, which is one of the things we want to get kids, to, these teens to do. Because, in, in, and, and, and by the way, I have to say, and this is me being guilty here, half the time, no, three quarters of the time I exercise, I've got my headphones on, I'm listening to a podcast. Uh, I'm even on my bike. I'm listening. So I, I'm using technology to kind of help me to, to do some of these kinds of things. I didn't used to do that. I didn't used to do that at all. But now, now I do that. But that do as I, I, as, as I do as opposed to do as I say is important. So parents need to really take a look at what they're doing, how they're using media and technology before they start trying to limit their, their kids. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that is a really good point to make. And so in the event that this, this is done and they have a chat with the kid and there's a lot of pushback from the kid. Oh, mom, you just don't understand. If I'm not on my Snapchat at night, that's the only time my friends hang out. And yeah, I need to be on it when I'm doing my homework. So the kids will come back with, you know, there's often pushback. So what do you recommend in the event that the kid is really not taking this on board? They might say, sure, I, I, I agree. I spend too much time on my, my social media and my, 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 ga my gaming, but it's what I like to do and it's how I connect with my friends. How do you advise or help parents deal with, I'm going to say the inevitable pushback because usually there's pushback. So what would you recommend? Yeah, well, I, I do think that there's less pushback when you approach the kids in this sort of fashion, by the way. I really do. I think you get a lot less pushback. So, for example, one of the things that uh, I, I get questions about all the time, more with younger kids than, than the older kids, is they're, they're playing video games and, and, and the parents have said to them, oh, you got an hour to play. Okay, and then they, and, But they struggle to transition, they get off the game and do something else. That's a, that's a big thing. Well, one of the one of the rationales or, or, or you know that have been given to me from kids is if if my parents will ask me before I play what's going to be a good time for me to stop playing 
not just necessarily the actual time, you know, 4.30, but, you know, when I get to this place in the game, when I do this or when I've accomplished something, you know, within the game or when my friends get off and they can stick to that. Sometimes they'll play a little bit more than the parents might like, but when they have a little input and the parents are asking them of those things, they're far more cooperative. I mean, there's just a lot less of that argumentativeness, but this is going to happen because these things, as you, as you noted before, are, you know, part of every, every kid's life. In fact, uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts uh, had a had a uh, recent statement where he was talking about, this was one of these things where the phone had private information. I don't really understand the legal, the legal concept behind it, but basically whether the police could check somebody's phone. And he said something like, if Martians would come to come down to earth right now, they would think that these things were part of human beings. And so it's, it's, they are so connected to the technologies. I have had stories. I had a 17 year old young woman who came to my office for a neuropsychological evaluation. And she was there because she ended up being briefly hospitalized because at one point her parents attempted to take her phone away from her. <laughs> and she freaked out so much that they didn't know what to do. And then they ended up calling the police. She ended up going to the hospital and she could not stand to be away from her phone. Oh no, we're gonna hear the lawn. And the dog, uh, that's okay, that's life. That is life. If the, the, the garden services always come just when you're doing a recording and then when they're outside, the dog barks. That's okay, I'm cool with that. And I'm quite sure the listeners are enjoying what you are talking about and they're probably going, I can't even hear it. And I can't hear much of it either. So don't worry about it. Okay, well, you can't hear it now because it's off. But yeah, <laughs> but it, it is. It's, it's, it is just removing a foot, taking a phone away from a teenager is can be a dangerous thing to do. You know, we don't know how they're going right. to react. And sometimes it's pretty extreme. And we've, 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 you know, us working in this, in this world, we've heard of some, you know, tragic. Uh, mm -hmm. things that have happened as a result of parents taking away the phones. And I know the parent would say, I would never have done it if, done it if I'd known just how attached they were to it. But, you know, herein lies a major problem when the child is that attached to the phone. Right. This is, in my books, you know, uh, uh, indicative of something far more serious that's going on. Right, right. I mean, the fact that there is that level of connection. I mean, the, you know, recently the DSM-5 came out with an internet gaming addiction uh, diagnosis. And depending upon who you read, you will see anything from eight or 10% to one to 3% of people sort of qualifying or incident rate uh, for, for this diagnosis. But it's pretty extreme. It really talks about, I mean, the kinds of things that we see with people who have serious substance abuse issues in terms of what they're giving up for, 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 the, for their screen time, that they're lying about it, that they're covering up their use, uh, that uh, you know, this is what they spend most of their waking time thinking about. So it's, that's a pretty extreme view of it. But there are plenty of kids that I would call them having problematic. Yes. Uh, attachments to their phone, not necessarily addiction and needing to be in a hospital setting or in a treatment setting, but problematic. And that's certainly that, that, that part is a, a fair number of kids. I mean, anywhere from probably 
you know, 10 to 20% of kids are having those kinds of issues. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interfering with their life. Now, part of this discussion, which makes it so difficult, I think, is that when we start with teens, they already have a set of behaviors. They're, they're, they're at this point also saying, we want to be independent. We want to, you know, we, we want to think for ourselves. We want to, we want to, you know, we want to be in charge of our life. We want to be in control, as we were saying earlier. So if you can start earlier, and some of your parents, I'm sure that, that listen to you have younger kids, mm -hmm. if you can start earlier, it makes a big difference. And I think that the, you know, the, the, the major approach that I take to this is not to say to the kids or the families, oh, cell phones, technology, digital media, that's terrible. I don't say that at all. I say it's part of our life. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. We're, we couldn't do this unless we had computers and we had Zoom. And, and then we couldn't, you couldn't share this information with so many people unless they had a phone to listen to it, okay? And they can learn. Hopefully they're gonna learn something from this today. We, there's so many things we, 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 we couldn't do. And kids are learning all kinds of things as well. And they're learning things that involve uh, gameplay. They're, they're learning things that, that involve, uh, you know, just Googling and searching things. Uh, so um, I'm sorry, I, I get distracted by my, 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 my dog barking. Can okay. I, I'm gonna bring him in, okay? And he'll be better. That's okay. Okay. Yes. Let's bring the dog in. That's fine by me. No barking. Sit down. Murray has a lot of tricks. I can't tell you all the stories about Murray because they're they're really quite funny. But he'll go a little. He goes a little bit crazy if I tell if I tell you his tricks. But he's. He's, he's, he's always trying to protect us here. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you were saying earlier, you know, with younger kids, if we work with them and ask them, you know, what would work for them? What's a good time for, for you to come? I, I get that. So I'm not going to let you off the hook here. With older kids, when they're pushing and they're saying, no, I'm not going to uh, stop. I have to be on it. Uh, Mom, I, like, you can't take it away. It's my lifeline. And, uh, you know, how do you help get by in there when they're really pushing you and they say they're just not prepared to reduce the time spent in the virtual world, you know, with an older, with an older teenager, you know, where, where would your starting point be? Cause I know a lot of the, the people listening that's, I know is the question they, they want yeah. the answer to. And is there an answer? There's no recipe. I, I get it. You know, to, to, to give a, a formula, there isn't one. And to give a, we'll do this, every situation's different. Every family's different. Every teenager's different. Every parent's different. We're different on different days. So I totally get that there's not one set approach. But is there a ballpark, you know, you found works well with regard to dealing with pushback from an older child where you're, you can't quite control their media diet like you can with younger kids. You can set the parameters. They're not using it for homework as much. They're not as deeply connected to their friends on, you know, Snapchat, say, as a, you know, a 13-year-old on Snapchat might not be as quite immersed in it as a 17-year-old on Snapchat. So any, any wisdom there? Okay. Yes. I mean, I think that the part of this is also just to look at the amount of the time frames, if you will. If we, we, we were talking before about things like having kids exercise or having kids do other things, the, the structure that I look at, again, 
better to start with younger kids, but there's really no reason to apply this to teenagers as well as what I call you know, a healthy play diet, okay? And a play diet is not so much about a media diet. A play, play diet assumes that, that a lot of this time that the kids are engaged with their technology is play. And looking at that as, as play, and, and, and sort of celebrating that play, that, that some of that play could be social play because they're communicating with their friends. I mean, if we go back 40 years, whatever, and people had one phone line in their house and the teenager wanted to talk to their friend for hours at a time and the phone was always busy, that was an issue, okay? Well, we don't have that kind of issue anymore, but, but at the same time, you know, we, 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 we want to help that, that child have a balance. And, and in fact, if you had a child who, I see you have a lot of books that I have a lot of books there. If all we do is sit there and pay attention to our books, or for that matter, if all we do is play a sport and we don't do anything else, we lose out on things. And I think that that's, so the, the difference with some of those things is that books, sports, those kinds of things are not as addictive to many people as mm -hmm. are these technologies, because these technologies are built for that to happen. So what will we tell a kid who spends all his time in his room reading or a young woman who is you know, training to be on a college basketball team and that's the only thing that she can think about is, is shooting hoops and playing hoops. We would say to them, try to find a little bit more balance in your play. We would try and, try and do that. And I think that that's where parents wanna do that. So when I talk about these ideas of a play diet, I think, I, you know, in, in I, I've kind of divided play into five different categories. I divided into like social play, which is really kind of just doing things with other people. I divided into physical play, movement play, things that exercises, I think a crucial piece of one of the things. When, when, when I hear that kids are not doing that, I'm way more concerned about them missing that than I am about the fact that they're spending time texting their friends all the time. It's if they're texting they're, their friends all the time, yeah, yeah. It's what they're missing in the real world at the expense of be spending too much time in the virtual world. The virtual world is not actually the problem. It's what they're missing in the real world. And the cost of that is, is what I, I speak to, certainly with my parents. It's like, what, what's the cost of that? Yes. Too much time. It's not the time online. It's the, the, what they're not doing as a result of that. Exactly. So, so when we talk about having a healthy play diet that also involves creative play and unstructured play where there's really no rules, it also in today's world does include digital play. And, and it's going to vary. A healthy play diet, just like a healthy diet in terms of eating, is going to vary for, for different people based upon their size and how they body press food and all kinds of things. But ha having creating that sort of expectation, doing everything we can to nurture that, I think becomes really powerful. You're fighting a very, very difficult enemy, okay? When you're yeah. talking about this. I mean, you really are fighting. And, and so the fight against media and technology isn't just talking about it. You gotta sort of make things happen. Now, again, everything I'm talking about now is probably easier with a, a 12 or a 13 year old than a 16 or 17 year old, mm -hmm. okay? That's just, but that's probably true about virtually any kind of argument that, 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 that those kids are gonna have with their parents. But I, I'll, I oftentimes talk about how parents need to sort of pay to play. You gotta, if, if you want your kid to do other things, well, then you better, you're gonna, you have to pay for it either with your time, I'm gonna drive you places and get you do, doing things, or I'm gonna pay for you to take, uh, 
you know, pottery lessons or violin lessons, or I'm going to send you off to a, 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 you know, a summer camp or a wilderness camp, or, or I'm going to, you know, you, but you're going to pay, you're going to pay with your time, you're going to pay with, with, with your money, you're going to pay with your level of engagement in those kinds of things. I think that that's part of what you need to do. And, and another way, sorry to interrupt, I was going to say, and are you a fan of, of saying to, you know, suggesting to the parents that you say, you know, this is not negotiable, my darling. If you want to spend two hours gaming, you have to spend an hour exercising. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I am. I, I think that that one of the things that needs to happen is that parents need to create some expectations for their kids. Having a healthy having being healthy is part of how you care for your kids. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I, I, you know, the, the 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 issue, I think, becomes one where, uh, you know, the kids are either doing this to an excess or parents are looking at any sort of digital media use as there's some evil, horrible thing. Well, it's just real. It is part of what's, what's, in, what's in kids' lives. And I actually talk about how you can kind of make it into what I call whole play. In other words, you know, we think about whole grains and they're healthier for us and the combinations of different, all the ingredients in the grain. Well, I think about whole play as something where, well, if your child is in their basement and they're on Discord and they're playing Call of Duty with five of their friends from school and they're gonna see them tomorrow at school, that's very different for me than them sitting in their room playing a single player game and being up till two o'clock in the morning doing something. It's, it, it, it's just a totally different experience. They're doing, they're doing something that's social and it's digital. They're doing both of those kinds of things. I mean, I, well, I mentioned before, some, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not alone in this. In fact, it's, uh, it's rare these days to see somebody who uh, exercises, at least where I see uh, in a gym or something like that, without a pair of headphones in. They listen to music, they're doing something. They're watching TV, they're, they're, they're doing that stuff. Uh, I, I, you know, so kind of combining those kinds of things oftentimes can, can be very healthy. But I think that we have to create these expectations for kids, that they have some time for socializing, being with family, uh, exercising. And I think that it's perfectly fine to have those kinds of expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, are you going to get some pushback from kids, teens? Of course you are. Uh, are most of them going to understand that you're probably pretty reasonable about this if, you, if you're doing it in, in, in modest amounts? They will. Are the ones who can't hear it? having some issues with maybe some addiction issues to this and, and, and need a whole other set of, of rules. Yes, there are, there are those kids. I don't know again, if that's going to be, if that's 3% or 5% or 10%, but there are those kids because these are very addictive kinds of things. There's a, this, there's a reason that certain drugs are addictive and certain ones aren't. There's a reason that certain technologies are addictive and other ones aren't. There's, there's, there's the, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's really pretty remarkable. And, and, and what happens is we sort of become so, how do I say this, sort of habituated to having technologies with us that we sometimes forget to not have them with us. And when we go without them, it's like, it really changes things. So I was mentioning sometimes I'll go for a bike ride and I listen to a podcast. Well, the last few times, and I don't know if this was in anticipation of having this podcast or just something that I've been wanting to do for a while, I kind of didn't do that. I, I kind of like said, okay, I'm just going to, and then we've had beautiful weather here in Rhode Island and the birds are chirping and it's just wonderful to be outside. And I'm hearing all that. And it really feels wonderful to experience that. And kids can feel that too. 
-hmm. Sometimes you need to point it out to them. So, you know, these technologies have taken a little bit away from that. They've given us something and they've taken something Absolutely. away. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I've, I've, you know, parents who've been working with me, they've said, you know, I've told my son he has to go, you know, walk the dog uh, and then he can play his game. And the kid goes, yeah, sure, I'll go walk the dog. And the mom looks on her, find, find the iPhone and they find their child out with the dog around the corner, sitting on a park bench on their phone. You know, and then it's like this battle. Okay, well, no, you can't take your phone when you're walking the dog. And then the kid goes, but I want to listen to my music. And the mom knows this kid is just sitting on a park bench for an hour and comes home and goes, I've walked the dog. I mean, these kids are creative and these, these platforms are addictive. And, you know, when it comes to staying up into the wee hours, I mean, I, I just hear from parent after parent after parent that, Yes, they can shut down the Wi-Fi. Hmm, what does the kid do? The smart kid, they download what they need in advance of that. They take away the phone at night. What do they do? They have a burner phone, the friend's phone that they bought for 20 bucks. It's in the top drawer. You know, parents are fine. I've got one client I know who's, who she's found eight iPhones over the years that every time they take one away just for the night or for a couple of days, there's another phone that appears. You know, these kids are creative and they are very resourceful and they, they find ways around it. And, you know, I think it's indicative of a, of a, of a I, I go like this, I'm making a triangle shape with my, like the iceberg. You know, what you're seeing, there's a lot driving, you know, what's driving the behavior? What is this? Uh, why is it that they're incapable of going for a walk or going for a run or going to play hoop without their phones? And, you know, it's, it's a real it's a challenge for parents and I certainly I hear of it all the time and you know I think that that this you know your gaming workbook and your strategies are really really good and I'm absolutely sure that the parents listening today will have something to take away from this conversation and you know if if nothing other than we hear you we understand it is it is hard and it, you know, it can bring out the worst in us as parents as well. And we have to be very careful of, of the, the energy that we're bringing to the table. And as you said, you know, to, to, to just say, you know, give me your phone, get off your phone, put your phone down. You can't do this. It's bad, bad, bad. Their kids are not going to appreciate that. You know, so trying to have their, let them understand we have their backs. We understand, we do understand how difficult this is. But balance is key and there's more to, to life than just spending it and, you know, hooked into the virtual world. Have you any other little wisdoms I'm a wisdom to share? I'm, a, I'm well aware of the time. I like to keep, keep the, the podcast within, you know, kind of the 40 minute uh, yeah. stage. Any other little wisdoms and nuggets you have to share that you haven't yet shared that you would like to? Yeah, let, 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 if I can, I would like to talk a little bit more about kind of developing a healthy play diet, sort of how parents can go about doing that, okay? So I think that what they have to do is they have to recognize that there's this powerful tool out there that's just gravity, the kids are gravitate to it. And so they need to be more proactive. So whether that be 
to get the kids involved in other activities. I may, I sometimes we, we sometimes we get to the point where we're overscheduling kids too, mm-hmm. but you know, making sure they're doing that. Helping kids maybe to develop some long-term interests can often be helpful. That's one of the, that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great way to do something about this. And sometimes actually the technologies can be fantastic for doing that. I mean, I can't tell you how many kids that I have met who love playing the game Minecraft when they're younger, they learn coding, they become more involved in technology and they go to school in some kind of computer sciences. So they, that, that, that happens all the time. Uh, another thing for teens, pretty simple, make them get a job. Yeah. They can pay for their phone. Make them, you know, make them do that. You get you know what? You get a job. And if you're on your phone all the time, you're going to be in trouble. Someone else is watching you. You don't have to have the, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the parents to do that. And another thing that I would say to parents about this is to not beat themselves up too much, to, to be flexible about this. Okay. So again, maybe this applies more to younger kids than older kids, but I think this is still true for older kids. Okay. If you're going on a family vacation and your kids and your teenager is spending so much time on their phone, maybe you just kind of give it up for them and you, and you have a good time yourself and you don't worry about that. You kind of, you comment to them and say, well, you know, hopefully you're going to enjoy where we're at. This is a beautiful spot. We just, you know, we did all this, but to be flexible, to kind of like not do that. I think that sometimes there's this sort of expectation that you're a bad parent. If, if you're not always on top of your kids about how much time they're using their, their technology, I do think that bad parenting, bad is probably, that's, that's probably a, a non-PC way to put this, okay? I think that ineffective parenting are parents who don't pay any attention to their kids' digital media use. I think that, especially again, with younger kids, you really need to be involved. And, if, and, if, and oftentimes, if parents are more involved with their kids when they're younger, it's a lot easier to be involved with them when they're older with the technology use. Mm-hmm. But if they haven't been, I think being involved with that is really an important part of parenting. You're not a bad parent if you're not doing all these kinds of things. I mean, but but it, it is important to have some involvement and discussion and things like that. And I think that to the degree that parents talk with their kids about this, these things work out much better. Mm-hmm. Not every teenager is going to listen. Not every teenager is going to be willing to do it. And those some of those teenagers who who struggle with this, as you were saying before, that's a problem. You know, if they if they ended up in the hospital, I had another I had another kid who uh, the the school principal took the phone away. Kid got suspended because she just couldn't stand it. She she came in there and said a lot of not very nice things to the school principal, and she couldn't control. It. When I talked to her about it, she said, "Well, I couldn't control it." She acknowledged it. So you know, there are those kids who need you know need some more specific help and they and they probably need some some clearer restrictions but as you said before they're tricky they can they they can they can get around you very well it wasn't so easy even five years ago but now it's you know it's yeah it it has it has absolutely i see it as having got more and more difficult the more and more uh, platforms that are available and the younger the kids are being exposed to all this so it is tricky and it and it it requires a, a lot of effort on the part of parents and a lot of you know compassion towards the kids compassion towards themselves because it is it's not easy to navigate uh, life through in this digital world but you know there's a lot of good things about the digital world and let's celebrate that and help our kids recognize that we understand it's not the big evil you know monster in the room 
I think that will go a long way to helping a lot of parents today. So um, I want to thank you so much for being here on the show today. And I will direct everyone to your website and also to the amazon.com and amazon.ca links to your workbook for any parents who are interested in taking this further. They will be able to find find uh, where to reach out to you and they will be able to order their books just by one click because this digital world is so efficient. So thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and I certainly have this book on my shelf and recommend it to parents that I'm working with. Well, thank you so much for having me, Louise. This has been a lot of fun and uh, kind of a, it's a good challenge to really think about what do we do with these really tough kids. And so when parents have this, I think that they, they need some support like you, you're able to give them. And, and that's oftentimes just enough to help them feel okay about this and then come up with something that helps them to manage, not necessarily control, but to make it a little bit better. Absolutely. As human beings, we all need to be seen, to be heard, to be understood feel like we matter and feel like we are good enough. And let me tell all of you who are listening, you are all good enough. You all have what it takes and a little bit of effort and you will be able to turn things around, I'm quite sure. So thank you again, it's been a pleasure and I hopefully look forward to catching up with you sometime in the future and taking this a bit further. Bye everyone, thank you so much for listening as ever. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on your social media platforms, share it with friends and family. There's lots of parents out there who need help and need some support. So this is my way of giving back, but I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you guys who tune in each and every week to listen to the show. So till next time, thanks again for listening and bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at yourparentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. It also includes beautifully illustrated, informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year. It's the perfect organizer for busy families to keep track of all their activities, plus help parents be the best parent they can be. It's more than just a calendar. You can find the link for this and the other social media platforms that I am on below the description in this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.